Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the Disney Animation team. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. And this message is for you, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the Disney Animation Studios team. This is our official request for you to please make Moana a live action musical. It is worth noting that the water scenes will be difficult, but I think it is entirely possible. The Little Mermaid is on Broadway. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. Okay, then. Maybe it's not even a problem. This is above the water. If they can do mermaids (laughs) on stage, they can do Moana. Okay. Let's do it. Rise up and Uh, make Moana. No. Not that one. From WBZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. Today we are talking with Amy Smead. She's the head of animation for Disney's Moana, among other awesome things. And if that's not cool enough, Amy is also the first woman to ever hold the title of head of animation on a Disney film. At Nerdette, Greta and I love Moana for too many reasons to count. (laughs) But here's one. Lin-Manuel Miranda, of Hamilton fame, wrote the music. And he sums up the story of Moana pretty well in this prologue that he did recently live at the Oscars. Before she sings a solo, shall I set the scene? Picture a young warrior, not even 17. She dreams of open seas. She's full of hope and sees a future where she sets her sail and rope against the open breeze. She doesn't know that she's a voyaging descendant. Impatient, independent, heart of nature, independent. The ocean's at her feet. She opens her eyes to find her mind is on her island, but her eyes on the horizon line. just so good. Who doesn't have goosebumps? Raise your hand. It's a podcast, but Everybody. I do have goosebumps, so I'm not supposed to raise my <laughs> yeah, hand? Keep your okay. hand down. Hand down. <laughs> so to recap, Moana is a Disney musical about a courageous and daredevilish teenager named Moana. She's chosen by the ocean to save her people, but to do so, she has to sail across the dangerous ocean to find Maui, who is a demigod, and he also just happens to possess the key to saving her people. And the reasons that we love Moana. She's not a princess. She's not trying to get married. She's not just like sitting there waiting around for Prince Charming. And she saves the day. I think another one of my favorite things about Moana, honestly, is that she's super ripped. (laughs) She is really mighty. She has amazing biceps, which, Amy, is one thing I'm excited to talk to you. Anyway, there are many reasons that we're excited to talk. And Amy Smead is no stranger to working on awesome Disney movies before Moana. Amy worked on two other recent Oscar winners, Zootopia and Frozen. Amy, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for making a ripped Disney star. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. The character design for this film, Bill Schwab, he was our art director for characters, and he spent so much time on anatomy, both with Moana and then also with Maui, because this is, I think, the first time we've ever done, in Maui's instance, he has almost no clothing. So we had to spend a ton of time working on anatomy to get it right. And same thing with Moana with her arms. She's an action-adventure hero. She's strong and, and brave and courageous, and we wanted her to look that way as well. Do you sometimes wake up and just go, 
I might have the coolest job. I mean, does it still feel like that sometimes? Like, you get to make Disney movies. Yes. My husband is also an animator. Uh, he also works for Disney. And there are there are many days where we wake up and we sometimes look at each other and we just think, gosh, I can't believe we're living in California. And then, B, we are so lucky to have these jobs that we love and we get to go into work. We work for a great studio where we're very supported by the studio and the people around us. Our department is amazing. We all learn every day from each other. And it's one of the great things about being where we are. I think it's really interesting because Disney is one of those things, like some of my earliest, weirdest, vaguest memories <laughs> are of watching Disney movies. Yeah. What's What are yours? I wonder what that's like now that you're there to look back on those. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I have an uncle that took us every year to see the Disney film. Usually Disney had a film at Thanksgiving, um, so he would take us to all of those films. So I grew up watching all of those films and watching a film like um, The Little Mermaid. That was something that... As a child, my uncle took us to see that film. And me and my cousins, we all just loved that film so much. And then to get to work with the directors that directed that, Ron and John, was just such a huge honor for me. And they're such an inspiration to, I think, animators everywhere. So it was really cool to get to work with them. So when you get the title on a film of Head of Animation, what does that really mean? What's your day like? We spend some time in pre-production, which is basically we're getting all the characters ready for the film. We spent about a year in pre-production. So we're also working with the supervising animators. We had five supervising animators. And we're basically getting Moana ready, getting Maui ready, figuring out what are the challenges for this film going to be. So on Moana, we had the challenge of the water as a character, which is a pretty big challenge. We have the lava monster, who's this huge character covered in lava. How are we going to animate her? Um, we had Little Mini Maui, which is the animated tattoo character. Right. How are we going to do that? We've never done something like that before. So we're spending a lot of that time figuring out, okay, artistically, how are we going to get these things done? And also technically, how are we going to get some of these things done? And then once production starts, we had about 90-ish animators. I think it was right around 95, 96 animators wow. on this crew, which is a lot. And they were all animating on Zootopia while we were in pre-production. So we've just spent the last year working on these characters, and we've really gotten to know them. What is Moana's acting style like? What would she do in different situations? But these people have, you know, they don't know that. So we get them up to speed on all of our characters. We do something, we call them chalk talks, where the supervisors get together with all the animators and they talk about, you know, how the posing of the character works and all the acting behind those characters. And then production starts, we start animating, and a big part of our job, and I had a partner, his name is Hiram Osman, he was an amazing partner. Um, so he and I were basically spending a lot of our time on the floor working with the animators, making sure that Ron and John's vision is up on screen with what they want for the characters, what they want for the sequences. So I'd say that's the biggest part of our job is getting animation up on screen we're very hard on ourselves as animators. We're very critical of ourselves. I think maybe that's something with creative people in general. But it's basically we're giving feedback every day to the animation team. And then we're also, we have a lot of meetings with the directors, um, sequence meetings where we talk about a whole sequence. What does the sequence need? We work very, our studio is very, very collaborative, which I love. So when we had the water as a character, we worked very closely with effects to figure that out. How are we going to do this? And then same thing with our rigging and our modeling departments. What a rig is, is basically it's like a digital skeleton, and it's how we move the characters around. It's how we pose them. So for those of you that aren't familiar with animation, there's 24 frames per second. Right. So if you think of every second, there's 24 
poses, which is a lot. So we probably animate about three or four, maybe five seconds a week. Um, wow. But that's <laughs> I thought producing radio took forever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we had 90 animators to get the film done. I'm really interested. You just said that, you know, often creative people tend to be very self-critical. And I wonder with something like a Disney movie, I mean, you know, it's so difficult with art to figure out when the thing is finished. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, yes. I mean, do you still go back and look at, you know, a movie like Moana and think, man, there's so much I could have done differently? Or do you oh, just yeah. kind of... Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awful <laughs> because you you work so hard. Say if you spend a week on a scene or two weeks on a scene, you are going through every frame over and over again, and your eye starts getting adjusted to seeing it a certain way. Mm-hmm. And you get feedback from the people around you to make sure the idea that I have in my head is actually reading. Um, but you get so close to it, and then you see the scene um, – like a year later, and I start seeing all the things that, oh my gosh, you know, her smile is not big enough or whatever the thing is that is happening in my head. But And now you can't unsee it once you've made that choice in your head, right? Yeah, yeah. Her action is too stiff. I wish it was more organic. Yeah. I think when a scene is due, when we have to turn it in, and um, we call it publishing, and it's basically a publish is when you send the scene downstream to the next department. So once you publish it, you really can't go back to it. And basically that time happens when the director approves it, and then you have to publish it because you have to start on your next scene. But it's very hard because we can nitpick forever. I mean, I could work on a scene for two months, and I'll never be done with it because there's always something that could be better about it. I had a early newsroom I worked in had a big sign on the wall that said, done is better than perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No one knows how far it goes. After the break, we listen to my favorite clip from Moana. And Amy tells us about meeting Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're listening to Nerdette. If I go, there's just no telling how far I'll go. I know everybody on this island seems so happy on this island. Everything is by design. I know everybody on this island. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so Amy, I'm super excited to talk to you more in detail about Moana. But before we do that, can we listen to my favorite clip from the movie? Yeah. Okay, so this is a conversation between Moana and Maui. And Moana is played by Auli'i Cravalho. And Maui is played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Teach me to sail. My job is to deliver Maui across the great ocean. I should... I should be sailing. It's called wayfinding, princess. And it's not just sails and knots. It's seeing where you're going in your mind. Knowing where you are by knowing where you've been. Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick... (laughs) 
You're a princess. You are not a wayfinder. You will never be a wayfinder. I love the self-referential <laughs> moment in that clip very yeah. much. And I also love that she is indignant about being called a princess. Because as a yes. kid who loved Disney movies, I always related. I think this is going to sure. maybe say a lot about me. More to like the animal sidekick <laughs> than the princess. <laughs> what is your favorite part of animating a badass female lead? I I remember sitting in dailies one day and this animator, his name is Vitor, came in and showed this incredible scene where she's coming out of the cave as Maui's about to leave on the boat and leave her on that island. And she comes out of that hole and then she runs and jumps into the ocean. And it was like she had this power about her and this athleticism that I loved so much. And it was something that was really, really exciting for me to see. And it was, I think, an inspiration for the crew as well as to this is what we want Moana to be. We want her to have this trait about her. And for me personally, I didn't get to animate a whole lot on the film because when you're in a head of animation position or any supervisor position, really, you don't get to animate a whole lot. I did do a couple scenes. I had to do one of her singing because how could I not? I love (laughs) singing. So I got to do that, which was really awesome. But yeah, I think to get to be part of a character that girls are going to look up to and see her bravery, and I hope it's an influence on them and how they can grow up. Amy, you have a daughter, right? I do. She's nine. I just wonder, what's it like to be going to work every day making something that your daughter might have a toy of at home in her room and that her friends all know and love. Yeah. What's it like to know that you're creating role models for kids? I think it's awesome. I love it so much. And Cora has every toy. <laughs> Maybe not every single toy, but, you know, I think most of them for is when Frozen came out, I had to buy her the Anna dress, the Elsa dress and, you know, all the toys. <laughs> and with Moana, I think because she's older now, too, I think she has a better understanding of it. And I think her friends definitely have a better understanding of it. So they come over and you know, they're just so excited. And then they'll do a dance to one of Lin-Manuel's songs or they come up with an acting, like they'll pick a scene from the movie and they'll act it out. And it's, I just love that so much. Are you ever surprised by the moments from the films that the six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds really gravitate towards? Oh, yeah. It's funny. My daughter is very fearful. So she actually doesn't see many of the movies that we work on in the theater. She never saw Frozen in the theater. So I was preparing her for a lot of the moments that I thought she would be scared of, like the Taka moments. And then the scene with Grandma Tala when she's, she's very sick and Moana is leaning over her. Cora and her friend just started sobbing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I I wasn't expecting that. So, you know, I was like, good, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Um, But there are those. And then there's those funny moments. Um, Luckily, right after that, hey, hey, pops out of the boat and you see the coconut on his head. (laughs) And everybody starts laughing. And, you know, it's great. Because at work, we see the film over and over again, but it's with the same group of people. So we we stop laughing at the jokes because we've heard it so many times. So seeing it with an audience and you see what people react to, whether it's a laugh or something emotional, is really, really cool. So I've heard that you record yourself reading the dialogue for the characters. Why do you do that? Oh, yeah. My favorite part about animating is coming up with the acting and the performance. So what I do when I start a scene, we always meet with the director to get an idea of what the director is looking at from the scene. You know, what is the character thinking? What emotional state is that character in? And then 
I memorize the line, and then we have a reference room, which is like an acting room, and there's a video camera set up. And I put myself into that character's shoes, and then I act, and I do it so many times, over and over and over again. And then I go through all of those clips, and I take notes on a piece of paper. Okay, in this take, I like um, maybe what my eyebrows are doing. And then sometimes you also learn, okay, this does not work at all. Don't do this. Mm. But it's a good way for me to get in the headspace of the character and try to figure out what that acting performance is. Now, I am not copying my performance because I don't want Moana to look like me. I want it to look like Moana. Really, I'm just taking certain little things from my acting performance to put into Moana. And we're always caricaturing things. So I'm pushing my poses when I'm creating a pose with a character. And I'm making the poses more readable than maybe what I'm doing in the reference room. So it's it's just kind of some a place for me to start out, and then I dive in from there. So do you save the recordings? I do. It's funny because somebody came into the studio about a month ago, and I had something from Tangled of me trying to act like Flynn Rider. And it's <laughs> it's funny because you hear a man's voice but coming out of my body. And so when people see that, they laugh because it's kind of silly. But when we're animating, you know, we all have different experiences in our life. And so we draw on those experiences and put them into our performances. So with that Flynn Rider piece, I worked at a bar. And so the scene that I was working on was one where Flynn is trying to kind of swoon over Rapunzel and he's kind of... I know not who you are, like that type of character. (laughs) And so I put my headspace from the time that I worked at the bar of, you know, you meet a lot of people and guys hit on girls at the bar. So you you are observing that where animators are very, very observant. So we're always observing life around us. And then, like I said, you kind of draw back on those experiences. But That's fantastic. I think everyone should have to tend bar or work <laughs> in a restaurant at some point in their lives because yeah. it just makes you understand human nature so much better. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You meet so many interesting people. So, Amy, Disney seems to me like it's just made of a bunch of nerds, right? I mean, <laughs> you just talked about how observant you are as an animator. I've heard about there's like there was an ocean algorithm or a buoyancy. There's oh, like yeah. the Boy extent see, to yeah. which your team is making programs to mm-hmm. create these different things so that you're making characters that are believable. Like the idea of yeah. having a software program just for hair is just so yeah. amazing and crazy to me. So for Moana with the hair, hair is actually very, very difficult to do in CG animation. And when we are starting out on Moana, we are talking about, okay, we really want Moana to feel like a teenager. And what are some of those teenager qualities that we can bring? And we ourselves had never created a teenager before. Our characters that we had animated were older. So one of those things we are thinking of with the hair is, you know, Moana can play with her hair. Maybe there's something that we can we can do and bring out those teenager qualities. Since it is so difficult to do in computer animation, usually animators are told, oh, don't touch the hair if you don't need to, because it's very difficult to do. So on this film, we created a program called Quicksilver, and it basically gave us an animation the ability to pose her hair and then have those poses travel downstream to the other departments, which is a really big deal. And... We're always trying to innovate on each show. And on Tangled, we had something where we could animate the hair, but it was still very difficult to do. So this just gives 
the hair, um, the design of the hair and the posing of the hair um, into our hands in animation, which is really awesome to have. And what about Ali'i Cravalho, the girl who did the voice of Moana in the film? Did you get to work with her at all? Yeah, so Ali'i is amazing. She came into our studio several times. She came in and talked to our entire animation department, which was really great because she has that energy about her. I don't, I don't know if you've seen much of her, but she captures that teenager quality that we are really trying to get with Moana. So having her be in a room and all the animators and we're all watching, you know, what she's doing and how she's moving her hands and her facial expressions and all that stuff. And that's all recorded. So we can go back and look at that recording and pick up, oh, she did this hand gesture. Let's put that into this scene. I had a moment watching her perform live at the Oscars where she sort of comes through the mist a little bit onto the forefront of the stage. And I had this moment where I went, oh, Moana became real. Like, (laughs) it felt like Pinocchio's a real boy. Like, there she was standing there. Like, how'd they do that? It was very cool. And she was amazing. I was watching that and I just started crying towards the end because... A, I was so just so proud of her because how do you get up on stage in front of all those people? She's 17, um, right? Yeah, she's 16. 16, yeah, she's 16. Yeah, and so, yeah, I, I mean, just talk about having courage and being brave. We're mm-hmm. so lucky to have found her. Another really incredible thing about Moana is its celebration of diversity. You know, not only do you have a woman as the main character who's Mm -hmm. super brave and strong, but she's a female of color, which is so incredible. And you're embracing Polynesian culture so much. I wonder, can you talk a little bit about the research behind this movie? This was very thorough, the, the work you did. Yeah. One thing I love about our studio, John Lasseter deeply, deeply believes in the value of research. So... We had the directors, um, the producer, Osnat, and a small team travel overseas a few times. They went to the Pacific Islands, and they met with the people, and they brought back tons of photographs and um, videos and clips so we could look at them. And not only that, they brought people into our studio, which was so awesome and super inspiring to us as well. And then we had a woman named Tiana who came in a few times to teach us choreography for the You're Welcome song. What can I say except you're welcome For the tides, the sun, the sky Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome I'm just an ordinary demi-guy And she showed us some very specific moves that we could put because we want the dancing to look authentic. So we're very lucky to have all of those people and all of those resources. And I learned so, so much. And then we had a man named Nainoa Thompson come in who was just incredible. He taught us a lot about sailing and a lot about wayfinding, which I'm not a sailor. Most of our crew, I think we had one guy on our crew that was a sailor. So we needed to learn a lot about, you know, the different lines that you're holding and how you pull up a sail and all of that kind of stuff. So it was a really great experience just learning about that culture and having people come in and talk to us about all different sorts of things, even things that are just very sacred to them. I think that it's so important to do that with a story where for a lot of people from that particular culture, it may be the first time and maybe the very biggest time in terms of the size of the screen that they're seeing themselves represented and their culture represented. It's really nice to hear how that's thought through. And I do think it's very big of you to not be, you know, at all jealous of the fact that you didn't get to go hang out in the ocean. (laughs) But I guess if you're living in California already, maybe not such a big deal. Yeah. Um, When we were doing some press, there are some people that came from the Pacific Islands that we got to talk to, and we showed them our research. And they were saying to us just how much they appreciated all the time that we spent researching 
everything. And they were really, really excited about the film. So you didn't get to go to the South Pacific, but did you get to work with Lin-Manuel Miranda? I just met him for the first time on Saturday. We were at a pre-Oscar party and he showed up, which was so cool because I didn't expect him to be there. And myself and another guy named Marlon West, we weren't sure if we were going to talk to him. And then we got the courage up just to go over and say hi. And he's such a nice guy. So we chatted just for a minute. But uh, that was the only time I actually talked to him. Good for you for getting your courage up. Sometimes that's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Well, because, you know, is it rude if I go say hi? Um, But then Marilyn and I, and we kind of got a pep talk for my husband who was there. He's like, you are the head of animation. You are the head of effects. You need to go over there and say hi and say, tell him what you did. So we're like, okay. So we did it. And we kept it very short. But, yeah, he's just such a nice guy. So, And I'm I'm glad that I did it now. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. In just a minute, some pretty amazing homework from Amy Smith. You're listening to Nerdette. Okay, Amy, our last question for you is what homework would you like to assign our listeners? There's a really amazing book called The Illusion of Life um, that talks about the principles of animation and all of that sort of thing. But the other thing that my husband and I do sometimes, we used to do it all the time, is we would watch a DVD of something that we really loved. So take Peter Pan, for example. And then we would take a scene that we really loved and we'd go frame by frame and look at what's happening in each frame and figuring out how the characters are maybe transitioning from one pose to the next pose. And we learn so much that way. So for anybody that's interested in animation, that's a, that is something you can do, you know, you can do from your house. And then the other thing, I guess I'll give you three things. Um, <laughs> yeah, go outside, but look and observe the world around you. And even if you're just taking a walk and you're passing people, something that we're always noticing is you watch somebody walking across the street. There are people that are in a hurry, so they're walking very quick. There's somebody that might feel lonely. Maybe they're walking a little bit slower or, you know, someone that's in love. They're all going to have those characteristics with their walk. So it's really, I think it's kind of a fun experiment to just kind of observe the people around you and figure out what's in their head. People watching, movie watching, and a book. Yeah. That's a fantastic <laughs> syllabus. Yeah, that's really well-rounded. <laughs> thank you. Amy Smead, thank you so much for joining us on Nerdette. Yeah, thank you for having me. Lue, 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 lue. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Candace Mattel. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. Our intern is Brady Guy. Thanks to Killer Sponge, Henna Word, and Heather F- Bird. <laughs> I think it's Heather F. Bird. No, it's Heather F- Bird. For the lovely reviews on iTunes this week, go ahead and give us five stars if you want to help spread the good word about Nerdette. And you know what else? We should point out that Amy Smead actually was a recommendation from one of our listeners as a guest that we should have on the show. And we would love to hear from you as well. If there are people who you really love, whose work you think is great, who you think we should talk to, please let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework.
think making this show would be your way to socially advance instead of sewing some pants, Lynn. Though he is already pretty socially advanced. And, and probably I don't know how not much sewing some a, pants. Yeah, I don't know how much he's sewing pants these days. I actually sewed some pants the other day. I have to sew tennis balls into the back of my pajamas. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Why? It'll keep me from sleeping on my back. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.